0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess.
0: Hey, hey, folks. Today, we are going to be sharing a tool with you and... Brandon thinks the word tool is very funny. I'm laughing. I am. (laughs) And this is a tool that I use with couples to, you know, guide a conversation that's intended to enhance understanding and deepen intimacy and boost passion. And this is called the passion interview. Now, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that The death of passion in relationships occurs when your conversations become reduced to the mundane. So specifically, I talk about the three passion perils when it comes to communication, your kids, your work, and your schedules. Now, of course, you have to talk about your kids and your family, and you do have to talk about your work and your schedules, and there are people who derive a great deal of fulfillment and excitement from these three areas of our lives, but if all we talk about is kids and family, work, and what you're going to do tomorrow, it can lead to too much predictability, too much practicality, uh, too little room for exploring and dreaming together. So I really want to underline that I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about these three things. They will be a big part of your conversation, but you don't want your conversation to be reduced exclusively to these topics alone. And when you think about when you first meet, part of the initial attraction is related to all of the sharing and learning you're doing together. When you learn something new or surprising about someone, They become more alluring and so it follows that you want to keep these revelations coming. You want to create opportunities to to surprise your partner with something they don't know about you even if you've been together 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years because there is always something new to learn. And this passion interview is meant to shift the conversation away from the mundane but also to get you talking about things that are just more exciting and so this is an exercise I use in session at some of my couples retreats. Uh, First I'll talk about the science of passion and what the research says and how interesting conversations are actually essential to attraction and desire. And then I have the couples go off on their own for 30 to 45 minutes and they complete this activity. And this is also part of our 50 video course. So this masterclass for couples. So you can take that online as well. But this is an excerpt from that course. And what I do is I ask you to answer each question so that you both answer each question and you take turns with who goes first for each one. And so today, My plan is for Brandon and I to actually go through this interview, and I'm going to give us about 30 minutes. So we may or may not get through the whole thing. We might have to do a slightly abridged version, and we actually haven't done this version of the passion interview together before, I don't think, at least. Uh, So I'm excited to hear, Brandon, I'm excited to hear your thoughts and your answers and learn a bit more, and you can follow along. And try this with your partner, but we're also going to put the passion interview on our website for download so you can get those questions as well. So, shall we dive right in? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So, I'll go first. Actually, I have the interview questions in front of me and you don't. So, I'll read them, but we can still take turns.
1: All right. I'm a little nervous. Go ahead. Answer them. No, don't <laughs> be.
0: Should I go in order? Do you want me to skip around? Mix it up. Okay. What is your fondest memory?
1: Ooh, being put on the spot, I can think of a number. There's one that resonates the most with me. I think I've mentioned it before. One of the very first trips that we took overseas, we were in Italy. Oh, yeah. We were sitting in this piazza, nothing fancy, with the exception of it was probably a thousand years old. Sun was shining. It was setting. We were having a drink overlooking the fountain, watching people, and I felt very serene and very calm. And reflecting on that, I think it was because I I wasn't as connected as I am today with, you know, like everything on my phone. So it was just very relaxing. And I remember feeling very at peace and that was something that has always really resonated with me there are others that i could share but that was the first one that came to mind
0: are you talking about when we were in trastevere rome or when we were in ravello and i probably mispronounced that yeah. sorry
1: i think it was in trastevere oh okay yeah. yeah
0: i remember that yeah we were drinking um well i think screwdrivers i think i was having a screwdriver and you were having an orange juice no
1: i was having a screwdriver oh, i really? remember
0: yeah all right
1: that, that's one. I mean, and I have a few others that pop into my head as well. Like, there are just so many great experiences. I mean, even the, the day that we got married, that, that evening when we were uh, – all of our friends arrived. The, again, the sun was setting. We were in the water just hanging out on we the beach. We were in Jamaica. We were in Jamaica. Yeah. And it was just, again, very calm, very chill. Do you People remember? that mattered were there. Do you there. remember
0: that the water wasn't moving? Yeah, it was still. So we were in Negril, which is the westernmost point of Jamaica. And we were in an area called Bloody Bay. And the water was so still. We get obviously gorgeous sunsets because it's the western tip of the island. And yeah, all of our friends had just arrived. And we were throwing not a Frisbee, but an Aerobee yeah, in the water. And you could see you could see a sparkle in your nail polish that's how clear the water was
1: in my nail polish (laughs) you don't wear nail polish (laughs) but you could
0: (laughs) yeah i remember the serenity of that moment
1: clearly that's the commonality between these points (laughs) is the serenity so anyway what about you
0: so my fondest memory the first thing that came to mind was actually that night at the beach at sunset um our wedding day isn't my fondest memory, not because it's not meaningful and not because it wasn't super fun, but I don't remember it that well. It felt to move. It felt as though it moved very quickly. Um, we we're lucky because we didn't have a huge wedding. We only had about a hundred people. I didn't have to go around and talk to everyone. I didn't wait to eat last. I ate first, <laughs> so it was a fun night. But it, it's not up there. And I'm trying to think what would come after that day at the beach Uh, there was the day in Ravello which is on the Amalfi Coast where we had rented a scooter to drive the Amalfi Coast we were young (laughs) and not so smart about it and you know if you know the Amalfi Coast the the roads are winding and Italian
1: (laughs) drivers are the best and the craziest drivers
0: and that there are trucks everywhere and we're on this little tiny scooter the two of us with these little buckets on our head that are barely you know barely actual helmets and we rode up to this town called Ravello and it was very quiet uh, I think it was a place maybe where they host classical music and we were just sitting there having a drink and I remember the sea looked so calm and actually do you know what I remember about that trip was that my phone didn't work so it was many years ago and I I can't remember if I think it was Rogers I was with and I was so mad because my phone wasn't working but in retrospect it was an absolute blessing. So that was a fond memory for me.
1: Again, disconnected.
0: Yeah. So what does that tell us? Yeah, really. (laughs) So it's interesting. So this interview is, you know, giving you a chance to to reflect. Uh, It's possible that your fondest moment won't be something you shared together, and that's okay, too. But then there's also the piece around, okay, what are the lessons? What are the important (laughs) messages here?
1: Just learning them now.
0: Yeah, break your phone. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Whom do you admire most and why? and I'm supposed to go first this time. So I am very (laughs) short-sighted, as you know. I tend to not remember things too far in the past unless they really stand out to me. And I can get really stuck in what I'm consuming right now. And I think it's because I, I have to read a lot. I'm always consuming data. I'm always reading new studies. I'm always coming up with kind of new content. And so whatever i've been working on for the last week is what kind of gets stuck in my head and so given that uh, one person i really admire is kenny
1: i thought you were gonna say kenny did you think that i did actually
0: so kenny i, I don't know what he goes by as his formal last name brian kenny brian of course sorry because i'm assuming no you're right it's kenny brian and kenny is a friend an old friend not a close friend from our nightclub days when we were bartending and he was a promoter. And we weren't really friends at the time, but we've become friends on Facebook because we share a lot of the same political values. And I'm probably gonna cry because I'm having a super emotional day. So right now there is a lot going on online in Canada with the firing of Don Cherry, who is a hockey commentator who has a history of making sexist, racist, homophobic, Misogynist, misogynist uh, remarks, and he's finally been been let go or stepped down. I don't know what's what's really happening. And Brandon posted on Facebook, uh, you know, his views on Don Cherry's racism, and so of course a number of people have chimed in, insisting that he's not racist and that it's that you know white people are suffering. And so I'll be really clear where I stand right now. So I'm a woman of color. Um, Brandon can speak for himself, but I see him as an ally. I have zero tolerance and call out racism. And I know there are people who might stop listening because of that, and I'm also okay with that. Uh, I think it's really important to examine our own privilege and I know that I live with a lot of it. Uh, So I'll just put that out there now. But Kenny is one of those people that is always standing up and fighting the good fight. And one thing I really admire about Kenny is that he'll engage with people and I really admire that he lets his anger show. And he's a black man. And I think there's a lot of tone policing of everyone, but specifically of black people, where you have to communicate your needs that are anti-oppression in a soft way, in a gentle way, in a polite way. And the reality is you don't always have to be polite. And I read somewhere, and I don't know who wrote this, but... You can be kind and not always be nice, and you don't always have to be nice and protect other people's feelings. Anyhow, Brandon put this post on Facebook, this whole kind of storm of nonsense erupted, and Kenny stepped in and did a bunch of emotional labor and educating that he didn't have to do. Because if you want to learn about privilege, you can go look it up on your own, right? You don't need somebody, if you're talking about racial privilege white privilege for example you don't need a black person to explain it to you there are many resources online in fact brandon shared one the root which is very accessible you know very mainstream it's not like hidden on the 140th page of google but kenny's one of those people that always stands up always engages does work that he's not required to do and so yeah i'm thankful to have kenny in my life in this small way and he's someone i admire right now and i'm going to stop talking cuz i'm feeling pretty emotional about Um, Not not specifically about Kenny, although I really appreciate and admire him, but just about this whole storm on Facebook and seeing, uh, you know, the arguments obviously have taken left and right turns and people are conflating one issue with another and and making false equivalencies and false comparisons. And it can be very difficult, obviously, to engage with that. And I'm disengaged. I'm I've stepped out of the conversation. I don't I don't want to say I don't care, but I just can't take anymore. So that was a very long-winded answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To say that Kenny Bryan is somebody that you admire. Yes.
0: And so whom do you admire most and why?
1: Wow. I feel like I need more than a few minutes to think about this Mm -hmm. because for me, there's so many levels to Mm -hmm. this question. It's Mm -hmm. like, do I know enough about you to really admire you? Mm -hmm. Um, So right off the top of my head, yeah, listen, I, I appreciate Kenny Bryan's willingness to to share his experience, his knowledge, everything that he shared, so I do, I do respect and admire him. The first person that came to mind, and I know I'm going to sound super cheesy, but is you, and, and I'm not just saying. I think because I know you so well. I can't
0: handle this right now. <laughs>
1: but but okay, so I, I could say you. You know, somebody else that I admire. Um, I really admire. I really admire... Well, you want me to keep focusing on you? <laughs> You're like, no, no, please continue. Uh, I do. I mean, I think that you've really pushed me to consider other people's position, other people's lived experience. You've challenged me when I've needed to be challenged. Um, and I I really... I appreciate that because it, it's really hard. It That fragility element's there, man. And I've really had to check myself and reading Kenny's comments at first I was like oh wow that's deep that cuts and then you know when I let it simmer for an hour or two I agreed with what he everything he had to say on this feed on this thread that we had so anyway I appreciate you for you know for challenging me I think anybody that challenges you in a positive way is somebody that well Anybody that challenges me is somebody that I admire. You know somebody else that I admire? I admire uh, I admire Luigi, your stepdad.
0: Yeah, he's I, pretty I admire special.
1: him. I mean, there's so many people. I admire your mom. I admire, you know, but, but Luigi is somebody else that comes to mind. I mean, the guy just gives and gives mm-hmm. and gives. He doesn't, he never smack talks anybody. No. Um, he, y- you know, he's just an eternal, he's a giver. Do and you know he,
0: why I admire Luigi? Why is that? Because he, he doesn't talk a lot and I talk too much.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel the same way. I, I, that quiet, that that wisdom that comes from somebody who doesn't speak when they don't need to because they know what they need to say and when to say it. So those are a few people that I, I'd say that I admire it's off the top of my head. It's interesting that
0: they're really people in our lives. Uh, I, I, I admire my friend and my neighbor Shelly because I feel like she has such a good outlook on life. She's not one of those people who runs around at 100% like super positive. That's not what I mean. She just has has an overwhelmingly positive outlook on life. And it's real. I think that she's really figured out how to just be herself. And Mm -hmm. that's why everyone likes her. And I guess, you know, when we run through this list, Brynn, and you also came to mind for me, and I'm not just saying that because, no, I think it takes a really strong person to look at their own fragility to acknowledge their own privilege to and to be an ally and speak out in a time when you know you're going to get backlash you know these are people you went to junior school with arguing with you getting mad at you uh, speaking pretty disparagingly about you actually even if it's rhetorically you know i think that's a brave thing so we're what i'm what i'm saying is i think we're really lucky in our lives to have so many people not just who we care about And not just who we have a great time with, but who we deeply admire. And that's a, this is a good reminder for us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I'm emotional, so I'm crying. So
1: why don't you just give me the next question and let me ramble (laughs) on.
0: Okay, thank you. Oh, this is interesting. What did you daydream about as a child? And what do you daydream about now?
1: I feel like I can't remember anything from before I was about 10 years old. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing nothing traumatic that I can remember happened. I just have a hard time really it's probably not 10. It's probably about like 7 or 8. So I can't think or recall what I daydreamed about as a child. I didn't think about what I wanted to be. I think I was probably more present as a Mm. child than I am today. Mm. I was interested in having fun Mm. and going to school, playing with friends, doing that sort of stuff. As I became a teenager, I'm sure things shifted, but again, I can't- You daydreamed
0: about maybe having sex one day? Yeah, maybe. It was like, (laughs) that's what I
1: daydreamed about until it happened. And then I still daydreamed about it for a little bit. Uh, And now I tend to daydream a lot about the ability to I mean lately because of what's been happening the ability to speak my mind all the time and speaking my mind all the time I associate with having the financial means to not jeopardize my lifestyle so it's this conflicting position that I'm in where I have to once again check my privilege and also be willing to sacrifice some of what I have to tell other people what I really think.
0: And to give you a bit of context, when you posted your position on Facebook, you had clients message you and you lost clients and you didn't seem phased by that.
1: No, I wasn't phased by it. I. It's unfortunate, but if we don't have similar principles, then perhaps working together is not A right fit anyways.
0: Well, it's interesting because some people will say, oh, you know, you have to work with people who are different than yourself. And that's entirely true. And sometimes we have to agree to disagree. But when the disagreement threatens the livelihood, safety bodies of people, and mostly people who are forced to the margins, I don't know that I can just agree to disagree. Like, I'm not suggesting that I can convince you of anything. But I can choose whether I really want to spend my time and energy on you, uh, from a financial perspective, one thing I think about is I can choose where to spend my money and where to support. We've and done that.
1: We've done that over the last handful of years. We have.
0: And you mentioned um, just to kind of bring it back together for folks, in case they're not, in case the connection wasn't clear. You want to speak your mind, and you need the financial freedom to do so. And what you mean by that is you can speak your mind and still lo- lose clients, and still be okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to some degree, that's sort of true. It's not like, we're, you know, we're not no. swimming in a river of money where we're retired or anything. But you can afford to cut ties if it's affecting like either your mental health or you don't want to have those conversations. It's interesting cause because you're white, you hear people like say casually racist things all the time. And because I'm passing, I actually hear it about half. Well, I'm sometimes passing. I hear it too.
1: A lot of people assume that because... I'm white that I share their beliefs and their 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 opinions when I don't, and again, it's being you know maybe having that awkward conversation where you tell somebody you don't agree with them. Mm-hmm and also just realizing that you need to have it is really eye opening.
0: Right. Well, you're you're in real estate, so you wouldn't think that, you know, race would come up all the time, but there's a lot of codified language in real estate around neighborhoods and school districts that are very often tied, not in every case, but often tied to race and income. And living in Toronto, again, to provide a little more context, is a little bit different than I would say a lot of cities in the United States. So for example, where we live, there are folks who own their homes right here and literally across the street, we have folks who are living in co-op, rent geared to income housing, and the kids go to school together. So we're, let me not paint this as a utopia. There are certainly more. There's still stratification economically and racially. There are still you know neighborhoods that people desire more than ours, for example. But we love our neighborhood and we love the people. And I, and I think all of the parents in the neighborhood see great value in their kids going to school with children from different backgrounds, whether that be culturally, ethnically, nation of origin, religiously and financially. But people will say not just codified things to you. But straight up, oh, oh there's yeah. too many Asians in that building.
1: Oh, there's there's there are blatant comments that have been made over the years, and I can I can remember them, and it's awkward.
0: Yeah. So I, I we're getting off topic because I guess it's what's been on our mind. Yeah. Let's go back <laughs>
1: to the passion questions. Yeah.
0: So, what do you dream about now? You said you dream about being able to speak your mind. So for me, what did I d- daydream about as a child? Oh man, I daydreamed about going to Canada's Wonderland, which is like, it's a theme park, like Six Flags.
1: They've got some epic roller coasters there, so I get it.
0: Yeah, it was really fun. And I think I just daydreamed about fun, which again speaks to the fact that I guess I had a pretty good childhood. I do remember that as a kid I was very afraid of being in trouble. And so I would daydream about not being in trouble and like, for example, my parents not being mad at me for something small. But I want to be clear, I'm not putting that on my parents. It was actually something in me where I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to criticism or what I perceive as criticism. And I've had to work on that my whole life, this idea that you need to be perfect. And I wouldn't put that on my parents. It's obviously a confluence of factors that led me there. And I'm still stuck there in some cases. So I would daydream about everything being okay. Um, and now I I daydream about a lot of different things. Oh, I want to go back to when I was a child. I would daydream about being a pro sports star. Like I remember even when I wanted to play hockey, I thought about being like the first girl to play pro.
1: Did you daydream about playing pro ultimate Frisbee?
0: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. And I'm sure there are people who would argue there's such a thing, but let's not get into that. I, Yeah, I would daydream about being some sort of a sports star. And now I do daydream sometimes about business accomplishments. Uh, And I daydream about just being alone on this cove of a beach where no one is around and just being naked with you. Like no one's around.
1: Do you have your phone?
0: No, I mean, I might, but I never think about my phone. Yeah, I think about just being someplace and slowing down and being disconnected. And I think that you and I have been talking for years about taking some time out because we go hard and we go hard about 360 days a year. And I know that we travel a lot and I know that we also have a lot of fun. And our downtime isn't necessarily physically, emotionally and practically um what's the word i don't want to say relaxing because it is in a way but we're still doing a lot of things yeah, just it's very active yeah That's it's all active it is. yeah so i have trouble sitting still so you know even if i were to have a beach day i'll be out on the board paddling or i'll be you know swimming across the bay or something like that yeah
1: you you absolutely have to have like something to do Anna Anna your cousin has to be there so that you guys can do acrobatics on the paddle boards or something
0: I know I need just like a child to follow me around and and keep up with me so yeah those are my daydreams
1: so what's the next question am I first
0: Uh, I think I'm first Ooh if you could change one thing about your teenage years what would it be
1: Probably my frosted hair tip. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no, that's what I would change. Yeah, Is that's your what change. I thought
1: it was awesome.
0: For me, I would have uh, had a better attitude toward school, and in fact, I think for that to have worked, because I really didn't fit in and my school was not a good fit for me, I would have changed schools. I would have been at a school that was a little bit more diverse, that was a little bit more aligned uh, with my background and my values, and I would have put more effort, I think, into friendships because I just kind of had a, had a boyfriend and that was it and didn't really spend time with friends and fell out, not fell out, but grew apart from friends because I was always just with a guy. So that's what I would do differently.
1: I don't know what I would change about my teenage years. I mean, once again, I, I think back and I was busy. I played a lot of sports. I was involved, you know, school was the biggest part. I worked, um, so I can't really think how i would i mean i could change my behavior or, or or things like that but i i i think that how i was in my teenage years is how i needed to be to get to where i am today hmm. i think that the perspective that i was given like work experience life experience helped shape who i am so i don't know that i could say i wish i'd change hmm. this or that
0: hmm. so. well that's interesting cuz you remind me that i also wish i had played more sports cuz i played every sport up until around you know 14 or 15, I played basketball, I played soccer, man, I did shot put, I did track and field, I did cross country, uh, I played every sport there was available to me. And then I kind of let it fall off in high school. So I wish I had kept that up, because I went back to sports. And I have, you know, some natural inclination toward it. But what I don't have is the confidence that I had when I was younger. And sports really helped to instill a lot of confidence in me. In fact, I think even today some of the confidence that I have comes from sport.
1: I do think that I wish I would have read more. Hmm. I wish I read more books hmm. because I think that you that a book, a book, yeah, not a magazine. <laughs> no, I didn't read very much other than what I was forced to read in school, and I think that that did impact how much I read now, and although I do enjoy it, I think that I would have had a more of a of a kind of an ingrained habit to read. Because I
0: think it's very important to read. I think it's important to note, too, that this is a question that suggests there's some sort of regret or at least some sort of critical reflection. And I think it's a good reminder that we can also change those things today, right? Like, I can go play more sports today. You can read more.
1: I could get more magazines. You could get Get more more magazines (laughs) for pictures.
0: (laughs) Oh, baby. All right, next one. When do you feel most loved?
1: feel most loved when I'm relaxed uh, when I'm surrounded by people who share the same ideas and and you know values as me I know that this is very vague uh, when I'm certainly when I'm when I'm with you and I'm relaxed that's when I'm I feel most loved most content most fulfilled mm-hmm. and I know that those are different but for me that's what i think about when i feel kind of just most at ease and cared for
0: can i ask a follow-up question that isn't on the list because it's my podcast <laughs> sure shoot <laughs> um what can i do to make you feel loved
1: Ooh, i don't know that there is anything that i would ask you to do more of or to do differently because or even that I
0: already do so that I yeah. understand because I probably do a lot of things that I think show you love but maybe not all of them are perceived as strongly
1: I mean love language you know physical affection yeah. touch so for me you know that's a big thing to help me feel I mean that contributes to a physiological state of relaxation for me mm-hmm. lowering that heart rate mm-hmm. getting into a good mindset where I'm not flooded with emotion and can think rationally always helps. So, yeah, I mean if I could ask something of you and again I I don't need it, but that would make it perhaps me feel more loved?
0: More more touch.
1: More more touch, yeah. And and you?
0: So, I feel most loved. I'll tell you the truth. I I feel loved all the time. I feel as though you do things for me every day that make me feel loved, whether it's making me a tea this morning when I wasn't feeling well or just putting your warm warm hand on my cold, cold body in the morning, or running downstairs and, you know, getting more toilet paper because I ran out this morning. Uh, and, you know, driving me to the airport early, early, you know with a five am wake up. So I, I feel really loved, over, I feel overwhelmingly loved is my answer. But if I had to choose something, Lately, it's the physical touch. It's the connection. And I was always a words of affirmation person. Not that you can't be one and another. I mean, it's not gospel. But I, lately, I think, because I've been a little under the weather, uh, just the physical touch feels really soothing. And, of course, there's all this research on how touch from a loved one Uh, You know, can lower your heart rate, can reduce pain, and I feel like I'm getting a lot of that from you lately.
1: I know you just want my physical touch because it's the winter here, you're cold, I'm warm.
0: I know, I I can't warm up.
1: You are eternally cold. There's
0: nothing I can do (laughs) other than use your body. Okay. Ooh, when we retire, how do you want to spend our days? I think it's my turn.
1: Oh, you up? Okay, go.
0: But I think we might be on board. I want to travel, I want to travel and see new things and I want to keep volunteering as we travel and yeah, I I don't know what our life is going to look like as we get older and I guess it kind of creeps up on you and I don't even know who I want to be surrounded by specifically, I mean I can think of people but I know how I want to feel and I want to feel at ease and I want to be around people I admire.
1: Yeah, I think I share much the same. Travel is the first thing that comes to mind. I'm surprised you didn't say travel somewhere warm. Oh,
0: I always mean somewhere warm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Travel, uh, I like the idea of being active. Mm -hmm. I think being healthy is of paramount importance. Without my health, you know, I have nothing. So being healthy, uh, being able to move to the people that I admire the most as they are getting older are the ones who I feel have this wonderful balance where they are active enough that they don't have to hit the gym every single day to maintain uh, mobility. So healthy, active, yes, volunteering, and um, staying kind of connected to people, I think, is very important. Where mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to have a narrow mindset as I get older. I want to actually <laughs> do the exact opposite. I want to. I want to be challenged i want to keep branching out and seeing other people's perspectives even if i don't always agree with them i think it's important to understand them Mm -hmm. so the people that surround themselves that i see in retirement Mm -hmm. that call them out are well
0: thalia thalia
1: mike mike so that's my auntie thalia who
0: runs island grill look them up island grill in jamaica i think they have 19 restaurants and 900 employees and she's 70 something and she's fabulous
1: i can't keep up with them and i'm not it's not speaking an exaggeration no. like they're out two events a night six nights a week
0: she, and they she love loves it. it
1: but her partner mike uncle mike big mike
0: he was on our podcast you can go back and listen <laughs> because they've been together since they were teenagers yeah.
1: but they have this wonderful symbiotic relationship where he supports but he also stay kind of just hangs in the background um, and he, he doesn't enjoy- want those cameras in his face. <laughs> <laughs> but, but very active. Um, connecting with their staff probably gives them a very interesting per- perspective on mm-hmm. different uh, people in different situations.
0: And she does a lot of charity doing- work in addition to, yeah. well, they both do, the whole family does. In addition to running this company, she is the head of the NCB Foundation, which is a big Jamaican bank. And they give 1% of their profits, this bank, to the foundation that does different work across the island and NCB is you know you've probably heard of Mike Lee Chin if you're Canadian who's a Chinese Jamaican as well and so she's part of the NCB Foundation the arakabasa Bay Foundation uh, Mustard Seed and it's interesting when we think about people we admire because Thalia is way up that list for me both Thalia and Mike and their kids Mike and Denise and their grandkids Anna and Matt, these are people who are really important in our lives. And I know, for some people, you're not gonna know who that is. But if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know who some of these people are. So yeah, I look forward to retirement, not in so much as I won't work, because I kind of like I like working, but just continuing to enjoy life.
1: I also don't want retirement to happen too quickly because Mm -hmm. I have to remember that a big part of my life will have had passed when I retire.
0: Yeah, and there's different ways to retire. One of my friends, he was an actuary, and he just stopped working early so that he could spend some time with his kids. And I think he might go back at some point, so he might have a first and a second retirement. Lots of different ways to design your life. All right, baby, let's move on to the next one. I think this is for you. First, how would you describe an ideal day in the context of your current life?
1: So I'm a creature, a habit. Routine is something that I enjoy very much. So an ideal day, in, given my current working situation, is that what you mean? Like at work or is yeah, that, are so we on a holiday?
0: When we say an ideal day, the reason I wrote in the context of your current life, it's like, well, I'm not on the planet Mars floating through space, like something somewhat realistic for you.
1: So I would wake up, I have this routine where I make coffee, but I would make coffee, eat my date bars because <laughs> I love me some RX date bars and then probably have an hour to chill and read a little bit before I jumped into work Mm -hmm. then I think I would do a couple of hours of work nothing would be too (laughs) stressful there'd be no fires to put out Mm -hmm. then I'd probably go and be physically active like Mm -hmm. maybe go to the gym or if we were somewhere warm I would do something outside and then maybe again do some more work then call it a day work-wise at a reasonable hour have some dinner maybe uh, you know all of these things are woven with you like i tend to check in a lot with you and i'm also interested in your business so throughout the day we're just checking in seeing what's going on uh maybe meeting up for coffee again and then uh having dinner relaxing and if you're if you know our house somebody may very well knock on our door and come over for a drink Mm -hmm. Uh, and hang out on our on our patio
0: Hang on. And then while I continue hanging out with a drink, you do a Brandon.
1: And then I just Houdini yeah. and disappear and go to bed.
0: We have a term in our neighborhood. It's called doing a Brandon where you just leave yeah, it's, and it's, he's gone. It's
1: pretty much amazing. I just Houdini my way
0: out of a situation. Whew. It's, it's interesting that you describe your day that way and you emphasize the desire for routine. Because as I think you already know, I don't love routine and I love disruption. And that's probably why we balance each other out. Don't get me wrong. I do need routine and I do crave it because I notice that the very few things that I have in my life and in my business that are routine are very important to me. I just don't need the routine daily. I can have it perhaps weekly or even monthly or biweekly. And so my ideal day in the context of my current life would involve waking up for not a 7 a.m. flight, like a nice reasonable hour flight, like 10 a.m. And I don't mind getting up early, but I don't want to get up at 4.30. Yeah. So getting up, let's say I get up at 6.30, you make me a coffee because goddamn you make a good cortado. Uh, We eat something because I like to have a meal. Like a date bar? No, not a disgusting (laughs) date bar. Like something with something very carb heavy and protein heavy. I like food food, not bird food. And... Then we fly somewhere, and you come with me, and we're on a cool plane. We're on a 787. Oh, okay, yeah. I
1: was like, can we fly a Dreamliner? Yeah. Because those are like the only planes I like.
0: We're on a seven eight seven nine, and when we get there, we have lunch, and we're working, and I work on the plane because I really do love my work, and then we have some time to chill, and then I have to give a, not have to, I give a speech or a workshop that night. And then we have, you know, the next day, I know I'm folding into the next day, but we have time to explore this new or different place. So I like the disruption, I like the travel. I wanted to ask you actually, what stops you from living your ideal day or do you feel you live your ideal day?
1: I think I live a, a, a portion of my ideal day i find with my work i end up getting pulled sideways a lot and the Mm -hmm. things that i want to get done i don't get done Mm -hmm. or some things i'll procrastinate and not get finished which kind of frustrates me and then i get angry over being angry and a whole other slew of emotions but um, i'd say most days i i live a good part of my ideal day.
0: You don't read for an hour for pleasure. I
1: absolutely don't read for an an hour for pleasure.
0: So is that something you want to try and implement? Maybe not an hour, but 15 minutes? 15,
1: 20 minutes would be a good start.
0: Nice. And for my ideal day, I mean, that's not my every day. So another day would be different. I can't fly someplace every single day. And you can't come all the time. But I guess we're pretty lucky. It's a good reminder that we're sort of close to our ideal day. Now, we're running out of time because Brandon has to go. So we have quite a few questions left, so maybe we can do a bit more rapid fire? Let's do it. What is your first memory of when we met?
1: First memory, I saw you standing behind the bar in a sparkly top. (laughs) Was it really a top or was it more of a bikini? It was more of probably a bikini. (laughs) And I remember being like, whoa, that was the first – meeting at least that i saw you the first actual meeting was when i explained a little bit about one of my classes and in retrospect it probably sounded like a goof but that's it
0: do you remember talking about celia when squirrels attack
1: yes i remember that too because we worked in a bar
0: when you get home you can't go to sleep because you're all wired at three or four in the morning and there's nothing on and so you watch the weirdest things and i remember we were both watching separately we didn't even know each other when squirrels attack and i came in and was talking about it and you're like oh my gosh i saw that too
1: just because i would still watch when squirrels attack (laughs) because that sounds like an amazing show
0: okay let's move on so and we'll wrap this up i promise if you could have a drink with anyone in the world whom would you choose and why
1: for fun laughs i'd have a drink with will ferrell Hmm. feel like that would be funny, really feel like I get a laugh out of that. okay for interesting conversation, probably everyone you know wants to actually no, B- Barack Obama, yeah, and Adam Grant,
0: oh, interesting from.
1: Uh, the, the book Give and Take.
0: Yeah, Adam Grant has authored a few books and does a lot of research on how giving leads to more benefits than receiving. He's, I believe, the youngest Wharton professor in history, and he has a newer book out right now. I just The name escapes me because I haven't read it yet. That's interesting. So I've always said I'd love to sit down with the Obamas, but what I want is a truth serum. I want to know what they really <laughs> what think. Really I want to know what really happened. I don't want the, the political politically correct. Yeah, version. I want to know. Okay. Do you have time for one more, honey? Yep. Yeah. All right. When was the last time you felt really excited?
1: That's a really hard question for me because the last, and I'm not trying to be negative. The last seven months have been hard since our dog died.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to be negative. You're allowed. No, to no, be
1: no. Sad. I, I get that. I also don't want to be unappreciative of what I have right now, but. The excitement part of my life has been really dampened by the fact that she's not here and that I miss her. Mm -hmm. So when I think about feeling really excited, I used to think about we're going on an actual holiday. She's coming. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. So everything that we've done over the last seven months has been fantastic, fun, exciting. But feeling really excited was probably when we went... um, where did we go? The right three of us. Right before
0: she was diagnosed?
1: Uh, yeah, before she was diagnosed. Mexico City. Was that Mexico City? Yeah, yeah with re- my mom and yeah, Lucy. we went to Mexico City. I know that was a great trip. And even the trip we went on before that, we went to Spain with her.
0: Can I just say something really quickly about that Mexico City trip? So I love food, obviously. And there's a restaurant there called Pujol. And it's a tasting menu, but not expensive. And it's fabulous. And it's in the most gorgeous building. Yeah. and. You can't get a reservation there. It's very difficult. But for some reason, at 3 o'clock that day, I looked on Open Table, Open Table of all places. I wouldn't expect to see a Pujol reservation there. And for some reason, there were two tables of two available at 6.15 and 6.30 because there were four of us. And I got it on Open Table, and it was one of the most memorable meals of my life. And so I would never check Open Table. I don't even know how I ended up on Open Table. But there's a little lesson for you if you love food. You might get lucky in unexpected places. Okay, do you have to go? I think I need to go. Okay, so I just am going to tell people, tell you the rest of the questions on the list. So, what we didn't get to are name two things that you love to do that don't cost much money or any money. I know Brandon's going to say masturbate.
1: (laughs) No, I I wasn't. I was actually going to say coffee and. Like paddleboarding, but yes, good call.
0: Okay. Well, paddleboarding costs a little money. A little bit, yeah. Those didn't come free. Uh, If you had one wish, what would it be? And you can't ask for more wishes. What Oh, we did, when was the last time you felt really excited? And I didn't um, answer that. Sorry. Uh, I was excited last week when we went to Jamaica because there were all these parties because my auntie Thalia was getting a bunch of awards and I love parties and I especially love Jamaican parties because Jamaicans like to dress up and I like to dress up and I like to pose and get in the paper and make it on the social pages. (laughs) So it's very, that was a really exciting trip for me and we were working the whole time and it was still so much fun. And then finally the one we didn't get to is what global issues concern you. And you can probably tell from Brandon's conversation, from our conversation, what's on our mind as of late. And that's social justice issues around folks who don't have the same privilege we have. So I really encourage you to give this interview a try. You can download it from our website, or you can just, you know, talk while the podcast is playing and give it a pause, have a little chat. Uh, It's interesting, Brandon, having these discussions with you because we're not, we have no notes. We haven't pre-planned. There's no rehearsal. uh, We're not editing.
1: No, none of that.
0: (laughs) And so I definitely feel as though I, I learned something about you, but more importantly, I feel as though these are conversations that can take us away from what we usually distract ourselves with and help us to feel connected, but also to have, to gain some insights on what we want in life. And there's some obvious things that I'd like to change for myself, and I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah,
1: definitely. I do.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, babe.
1: Thank you. That was Mm. fun.
0: Was it? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Cute. And thanks for listening, and thank you to Desire Resorts for your ongoing support. You know we love them at Desire Experience. Make sure you check them out. If you're into this podcast, please share and subscribe, and we'll be back again next Friday and every Friday with a new episode. Sounds great.